importance of it. All right. Well, that said, uh, we're going to be in the book of Exodus this morning. We, you say, well, Jamie, isn't it almost Christmas? And aren't you going to talk about, you know, baby Jesus and the Christmas message? We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, we're just taking a long road there. Uh, we've been talking about Christ before Christmas. So we've been going through the Old Testament, finding examples of where Jesus came on earth in anticipation of who he would be when he came as a human. And he would interact, and I, 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 I believe they're preparatory. Uh, uh, not that God needs to learn anything, but, uh, but he loves to interact with his people. Uh, we're going to see the story of Moses this morning. Last week, Pastor Jason had you in the fiery furnace, uh, and, and I heard it, it was a great message where the fourth man in the fire was, who was it? It was Jesus, the Christ, our eternal son. You know, and, and that fire... It was a fire of evil, wickedness. It was meant to harm and destroy. And Christ came and stood and protected. And what a great, that's what he came to earth to do. Uh, but this fire we're going to look at this morning is a different kind of fire. Uh, it's not a fire that's meant to destroy. It's meant to heal and it's meant to, dis- to, to restore someone that's been far from God. Um, in, the, in the book of Exodus, we have a very similar picture. In fact, it's alluded to in the birth of Christ. When Christ was born, Herod, the king of that area, was intimidated. When the wise men came, he was threatened, and he basically made an edict to kill all the, the young, young males, uh, three or four and under. And there was a slaughter uh, because of the fear that the Redeemer had come to earth. This is a very similar story in the book of Exodus where Israel has been held slaves uh, by the Egyptians, and they were outnumbering, growing, and the the Pharaoh said, kill all the baby boys. Uh, It's it's very simple because there was a sense that Satan knew a deliverer was coming, and he was. His name was Moses. Well, God protects him. He has a supernatural birth, and he's raised in Pharaoh's home, which is a whole cool story. Uh, But when he, at 40 years of age, it's in him to rescue the people of God. So he had good, good intent, but bad uh, planning, bad timing. Because in his self-confidence, he didn't kind of figure out, does God want me to do this? He just stepped into a, a, and killed an Egyptian that was tormenting a Hebrew. He kills him. And the word gets out that he, he thought he'd hidden it. Uh, and out of fear, he flees. So he spends the next 40 years of his life in the desert, he marries uh, 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 this woman he meets at the well, a bunch of sisters. He protects them. The father-in-law says, why, well, bring that guy home. He's, he's worthy. He's, he protected you. He didn't use you. He, he stood up for you. I want him for one of my daughters. So he gave his oldest to Moses in marriage. Moses spends the next 40 years of his life getting up every morning, taking care of sheep, taking care of his wife, taking care of his boys. Commendable. 40 years. He went from the, the, the raised in the palace to be a prince to now he's taking care of sheep. It, it, he's in a, a, a place of hiddenness, obscure. If you walk with God, you're going to go through desert times. There are just times where you things are dry, uh, that, that, that you feel overlooked, you feel hidden, you don't know what's, what's next. You, you, all you can do is just be faithful in those times. So we're going to pick up the story where Moses is 40 years now, so now he's 80 years old. And he's taking his sheep out again like he does. And so we're going to pick up the story in 
Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now this is also called Mount Sinai. Uh, it, it's, it's thousands of feet high. It's a, a majestic, I've only seen it in pictures. I've never been there. I've always wanted to go there. But it's just incredibly haunting in, in the desert, just, just above everything else. And so he's, verse 2, it says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now, first of all, it says the angel of the Lord. It's not a created angel. This is, again, the incarnate Christ. You'll see in a minute, it, it, because he, he tells Moses to worship him. Yeah, angels are not allowed to receive worship. Uh, this is not a angel. It's the angel. It's a manifestation of God through Christ before his incarnation, before Christmas. So in this bush, it's on fire. Now, he's seen a thousand bushes. But the, what's unique about this, he's probably seen bushes burning. But this one was burning, but there's no smoke. It's burning, but there's nothing of the bush that's being burned up. And so Moses steps aside, and he walks over to the bush. Now, you've got to understand, God obviously is trying to get his attention. But it's unusual. Think about it for a minute. You're God. You want to get one of your children that's gone wayward. You want to get their attention. Do you set a bush on fire, or do you set the mountain on fire? You're God. I'm going for the mountain. When a bush is like you could overlook the bush. You got a burning mountain. You know, didn't Elvis singing about that? Burning love. Anyway, so you missed that, but that's okay. He sees a bush, but it's like, yeah, it's a bush. It's on fire. A mountain? You can't miss that. How about a giant oak tree? Now, this is a scrub bush. This is a thorn bush. There's thousands of them around the desert. Why does God pick the most obscure, common, ordinary, earthy, homely, lowly things to represent him? Now, there's a fire in this bush. And obviously, it's called the angel You'll see in a minute, it's, it's, it's God, it's Christ in this bush. He is the source of light. This isn't a fire that's meant to hurt Moses. It's not even hurting the bush. It's igniting the bush. I think of, I think of this as God's way of choosing the lowly things of the world to get our attention, which we could easily overlook. Now Moses, instead of overlooking or saying, yeah, I'm not going to mess with that, Moses says in, in verse, uh, uh, verse 4, Verse 3, so Moses thought, I'm going to go over and check this out. Why, why the bush did not burn up? Now, that's a good thing. There's a good thing when God is trying to get your attention that you pay attention. God, there's something going on here. And, and the Lord says to him, now the bush speaks. Now he's got a whole other level. He's gone from fire to the voice of the Lord. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses. Moses. Now, you got it by now. You think he's got Moses' attention? Come on. You know, this is, and, and his faith is no different. You're not going to come to Christ any different than Moses. Now, you, you say, well, I'll, I'll never see a burning bush. Yeah, you will. You'll see things that God opens up to you 
I think of the times in my life that God spoke to me through people that I would never... My first pastor's name was Lou. And he pastored in a town called Lulu. Now, come on. If that ain't a burning bush, I mean... It's right outside of Lake City, Florida. I was going to forestry school there, and I was a hippie. We came in those shoes on, and, uh, and he welcomed us. It was half his home. He opened it up. There couldn't have been 20 people. And he would, I preached my first sermon in Lulu, Florida. Now, if that isn't a burning bush, I'm not sure what is, because it, it wasn't about the house, and it wasn't about me. It was about the Lord's presence. We would go there and just cry. I couldn't tell you about the song. I mean, it's terrible music. It was terrible. I mean, just everything about it was, you know, you'd never be online with it. You know, online live at Lulu, Florida with Pastor Lou. He's a Lulu. And so he found his sermons by smelling them out of the Bible. It's the truth. He taught me. This is how he found it. He'd smell till he'd smell the beauty of the Lord or the rose, whatever. And then he'd stop there. And that's where he'd preach from. Work for me. There's a lot of guys on TV that ought to start smelling something because it ain't the Bible. They're, 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 they might be on the Internet and they're big on this, that, but they may, may need to smell the Bible a little bit, get back in the Word, the Word of God. So anyway, Moses, is got, God's got his attention by this, this nothing bush, but it's filled with the fire of God, the presence of God. He calls his name Moses. And I love the, 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 the subdued, how would you, how else could you? But he responds like he's in third grade class in elementary school, and the teacher says, Moses, here. Do they still do that at school? Take roll. Do you, do you go say, here, present, here, present, whatever you're supposed to say. That's, you know, I, I see Moses behind his desk. He's become a little kid again. Moses, Moses. All he knows to do is say, here, as though God didn't know that. God's designed this entire plan to rescue his people, and he's been working, getting Moses ready for it. Moses was clueless that all that he's been going through, all the pain, all the suffering, all the shame, all the brokenness, all the failure was leading up to this moment at a burning bush. You know, the old Scottish churches had an emblem for their church, and it was the burning bush. And their motto was, and it was not consumed. And the beauty of that emblem is, it's not about the bush. When you think about a church, no matter what we do at the vineyard, and we try to be our best, but no matter what we do, it's flawed. It's a bush. This building is just a bush. There's nothing to it. But when God's presence is here, it transforms a bush into a manifestation of the presence of God. And that's what he does with simple people like you and I. He can use to demonstrate his love to others. Present. But if you don't get present, if you don't say, here am I, if you don't respond to something... God's not going to force you. That's the point of this. The fire was not overwhelming. He could have walked away from it. It wasn't a giant mountain on fire. It wasn't a lightning bolt striking him. It was just intriguing, and it drew him. And God said, Moses, Moses. He says, here am I, Lord. Now, it's going to get good here for Moses. He's, verse 5, it said, God says, don't come any closer. Wait a minute. God says, don't come any closer, Moses. 
God said, take off your sandals. The place you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Take off your shoes. You know, we have some uh, friends of ours that are in our small group, and they just got back from uh, uh, traveling to Antarctica, uh, which is pretty cool to think about going to. And one of the main things you do in Antarctica is you go look at penguins. Uh, It's too cold to do anything else. Uh, But apparently, when you get on the boat, they give you your clothes you're going to wear in the boots. And when you get close to shore, you smell them before you see them. Apparently, penguins are, are nasty. And they're, I don't know if there's a, a specialty word for penguin poop, but the poop is everywhere on the island. So they wear these special boots. When they're done seeing the penguins and walking in the penguin poop, they have to wash their own boots. They scrub them. They give everybody a brush and gloves, and you wash and hose off your boots. You get back in the boat, get on the big boat. You wash them again when you get on the big boat. Then they take the boots that have been twice washed, and they put the boots in your uh, cubby with your your room number on it. And then while everybody's out, they de- de- disinfect the boots. They spray it with disinfect with strong chemicals because apparently penguin poop is highly toxic. Now, who would have thought that the little penguins are, you know, you step in it, you could get some, I forget the diseases, but they're, they're really bad diseases. It's toxic. And you could, so they, they get, they get the, the boots clean. So the next day they go back they get up, put the boots on, and go back and walk in penguin poop again. It sounds like an interesting cruise, doesn't it? So anyway, it's, it takes somebody that uh, loves penguins and cold to do an Antarctic tour. But I got to thinking about that walking. Moses has been walking around in sheep poop. I mean, come on. That's what he did for a living. And he got these sandals on, and God says, take off your shoes. Listen to me. There's something that's missing in many churches in America today. And it's this chip right here. It's this It's this. this sense that that we're dealing with a God that's holy. I mean, he's not just the big guy. He's not just, you know, the good buddy. He's not just, you know, me and Jesus, we got a good thing going. He's God. Moses is learning that there's things about you, Moses, that are unclean and you need to get them off. Take those shoes off, Moses. They represent the the connection to the dirt and filth of, of the world. And he takes his shoes off. He's standing. God says, you're standing on holy ground. Because wherever God is, is holy ground. Any burning bush, it's not about the bush. It's the God's presence. He takes off his shoes. Then Moses covers his face because he's dealing with the, he's killed somebody. You don't think it's haunted him? God's freeing him from his memories. God's healing him of his guilt and shame. God's getting him ready to serve in the next season of his life. He can't drag the dead body into the next season. Moses, take off your shoes. Let go of the past. Moses does it, and God says to him in verse 7, The Lord says, I indeed have seen the misery of my people. Think about it in your own life, individually, as well as corporately in our world. God is not detached. He said, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. I love verse 8. So I have come down. This is the phrase that's used several times we've seen in the book 
of Genesis where God would come down. He came down at Babel to see what was going on. He came down with Sodom and Gomorrah. He came down to walk in the garden with Adam and Eve after they sinned. There's this sense of God is coming to rescue. This is what Christmas is all about. Baby Jesus is about God coming down to rescue. This is just a picture of what's going to happen on Christmas is that God has seen the pain, the heartache, the sin. God is, you've seen these, these billboards, you know, uh, God's coming and he's, he's ticked off, angry, whatever. But, but the heart of God is coming to rescue. He's coming to redeem. And he's met with Moses and he's saying, can you imagine the hope that's filling Moses' heart? God's coming to our rescue. God's coming to deliver us. He said, I've come down, verse 8, to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perserites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Up to this point, Moses is like, yay, God, come on down. Until he gets to this next verse, verse 10. So now, go. I'm sending you. Whoa, 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 whoa. It got real right here. It was all good here, and God's coming. God's coming. Come on down, Jesus. Come to the rescue. Come deliver us from the Pharaoh. Come destroy our enemy. Come on down. We love that part of the gospel. The part we don't like is, I've got a job for you to do. What? I, I wanted to watch you do it, Lord. That'd be way more exciting. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I just, I, I get it. You can do it. You don't, you don't need me. True. True. It's never about does God need us. It's who God is. It's how God works. God chooses to never do anything for you that he's called you to do for yourself. Let me just say that one more time. Unless you're praying about God doing something, that's your responsibility to do. You're saying, God, and there are things I can't do. There's things my father-in-law, who's my mentor, he'll, on a regular basis, he'll remind me, Jamie, that's too heavy for you to lift. Let the Lord do the heavy lifting. I love that phrase. I love that thought. Let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting. But there are times I've got to lift things. You can say, God, I want to know the Bible. But if you don't read it, you're never going to know it. You can't say, God, let me know the Bible. You're going to have to read it. Shocker. When I first got saved, I was into the mysticism of everything and basically brain damage from drugs. And I literally slept with the Bible under my pillow, thinking it would absorb into my mind. Totally serious. I'm like, if, back then, if you just said, could that happen? I'd be absolutely. That could happen. That's how stupid we get. And, and you know, I was talking to, I can't go down that road. Anyway, there's several roads to go down. They were just not good roads. That, anyway, I found I had to read the Bible to get the Bible in me. And you can't use the, I don't understand it. It's because you don't read it. Now, you, I, there's lots of things I don't understand in it. You could read this story right here, and you can't tell me I don't understand this. God said, I'm going to deliver Israel out of Egypt, and you are going to be how I do it. 
That's not hard to understand. It may be hard to live when God says, I want to use you to make a difference. Me? Now look at Moses. Forty. This is what 40 years in the desert does. Moses says to God, verse 11, Moses says to the Lord, uh, uh, who am I? He went from, here I am, to who am I? Remember when Moses started out, Moses was a somebody. He was a prince of Egypt. He started out here where I'm the deliverer. I can do it. I'm somebody. And he tried it, and he completely failed and made a debacle of everything. So he spends 40 years learning one thing. You can't do it. You can't do it. How long is it going to take for you to learn that? It's a hard thing to learn, to say, Lord, I need help. I can't do it. Lord, I need your help. Moses spent 40 years walking around with stinky sheep, stepping in sheep poo to learn, I can't do it. But if you stop at I can't do it, you'll never get to he can do it. You don't need to be a somebody, Moses. You need to know someone who is the ultimate somebody. Because God doesn't go, you're right, Moses. Let me find somebody that's better suited for the job. No, you're perfect. You're exactly where I want you to be. It's, it, it takes a lot to get there, folks. And you'll go through different seasons Young, teenage to old, you'll go through seasons where it just gets really hard. I watch young people when they graduate high school and they get out in college and they get their brains beat out with idiots that think they're smart, they're, they're smarter than God, and they're idiots that teach in many of their college campuses. They're, the Bible calls them that. They're fools that say they're no God. And there's that crisis of, and I watch so many that walk away because somebody else is has mocked their faith instead of, I've got a living relationship with God. I've seen young people that have experienced massive moves of God in their heart, and they get around the smart people, and they start deconstructing their faith to the point where all those things were stuff I just made up. It's like Moses going, you know, I just made up that burning bush thing, you know, that way. No, but when you, when you, when you meet God, the only hope we have, is that when you come into a living relationship with God, it can't be stolen from you. The fire of God, that's why the bush was not sustained by the limbs and the wood, like a normal fire. If you don't feed a fire, it dies out. This bush kept burning and burning and burning because the bush didn't start the fire. The bush didn't contain, the bush didn't sustain the fire. The fire was its own source. It was God. God didn't need the bush. He just chose to use the bush. You think he might have been showing Moses something? Moses, it's not about the bush. And Moses by now probably looked at the bush and thought of himself as an old thorny bush. I'm just not much. I'm just, you know, I'm just basic, ordinary. I'm just Moses. But Moses is an ordinary guy. But when the fire of God comes in Moses, he becomes Moses the deliverer. God says this to Moses. When he says, who am I? Verse 12, God says, I will be with you, and this will be the sign that, that, it is, <clears throat> that it is I who have sent you. When you brought up the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses says to God, well, what if the Israelites say to me, what's his name? What shall I tell them? 
Moses is so full of excuses. He goes on the rest of chapter 4, just drives. God just, I don't believe God loses his mind, but he about loses his mind with Moses because Moses, what? But I can't, I'm not a good speaker, and I'm not just, I can't do that, I can't do that. He's so focused on his inadequacies, which is a good thing to see, but if that's all you see and you can't see God is bigger than your weaknesses, then you're going to get trapped in this place of unbelief. But, but God says to Moses, he says, well, what are, what's your name? He knew, but, but the, Hebrew, the, the, the Egyptians had so many different gods, and the Israelites had been living among them. But who, who, who's told you? Who, who am I, whose authority am I going in? And verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you to them. I am that I am. What a, what a boring name. Seriously. It's like nothing like a Melchizedek. That's much, much cooler. God, you could have gone out a little deeper than this. And basically, God just says, I am. That's it. All you'll ever need, that's me. I'm the source of everything. I am. I'm eternally, unchangeably, unstoppably me. I'm me, and I'm all you need. In fact, this name was so holy for the Israelites, they wouldn't speak it. But, but when Jesus comes on the scene, because you, you, just hold your finger here. We'll go to the New Testament in the Gospel of John. And Jesus claims this name because it was Jesus that was in the bush. Look in um, Luke chapter, uh, where am I going first? Let's go to John. Go to John, John chapter 8. Jesus uses this, this name when he's speaking to these Jewish uh, people that, that claimed Abraham was their father. And in chapter 8 of the gospel of John, Jesus comes along and he says, Hey, for Abraham was, I am. And he blows their minds. And if I can ever find it here. John chapter 8, verse 50. Uh, uh, let's start in this, verse 56. Uh, verse 56, he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day, and he saw it and was glad. Verse 57, you're not 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you've seen Abraham? Verse 58, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. I wonder what they thought this meant. See their response. Verse 59, at this they picked up stones to kill him. Because it's blasphemy. What he said, he's not claiming to be older than Abraham. He's claiming to be eternally before Abraham. He's claiming to be God here. He's using the name that Moses used at the burning bush to describe himself as before Abraham was, I am. Not I was, not I will be. I've always been the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, when he came to Moses, he came as the great I am. That's what he comes to earth in the manger. A simple Manger. I mean, you know what a manger was a cave, probably. It was a it was where the shepherds would keep their sheep. And it's a grotto, some call it. And when you go in there, it's 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 not exciting. It, 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 it's a bush. 
It's the place that God chose to come, which we'll talk more as we get closer to Christmas. But think of the manger as the place of the bush that set on fire. The wise men saw the fire. Just a baby, most people saw, they saw the glory of God. You know, my wife and I celebrated 45 years of uh, marriage uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. And for 45, thank you. She's the one that deserves the applause. But uh, So what do you do for 45 years? Well, let me help you. You clean the garage. So my wife took her shopping, and I stayed home, and I had several staff members that couldn't vote and a friend that chose to come, and I had four guys help me clean the garage with three pickups. We loaded five pickup truck loads to the brim. Three went to the Goodwill, two went to the dumpster. That's a lot of stuff. She's been begging me to clean that garage for years. Every time we come home and hit the clicker and the garage door goes open, I know what's coming. You got to get that garage clean. You got to get that garage clean. I bought her a necklace and I cleaned the garage. I could have saved a lot of money on that necklace because it was like, that's nice. Oh, the garage. I mean, it was like the hills are alive. I'm the most wonderful husband on the planet. My friends made me look good and staff members, they came and helped me. And it was just a gift to be on gifts. Well, comes time to set up Christmas, get the tree up, go get the lights out and everything. Well, we have a manger scene from Israel 30 years ago. She and I bought it in Israel. It's precious to us. It's really, it's made out of olive wood. It's absolutely beautiful. Can't find it. I've already decided to blame Pastor Jason because he was helping me. He'll throw anything out. If it ain't nailed down, it gets thrown out. I'm like, oh my. I went through my garage literally, obsessively. What's clean now, but it's not that hard. But I went through it three times. No manger scene. It was always in the garage. Gone. Now I'm thinking somebody at Goodwill bought that for 20 bucks. I lost my mind on it. I'm thinking, oh God, so be happy for others. No, I don't want to be happy for anybody else. They stole it from me. You can't replace it. It's just, it, it literally is irreplaceable. And what's tied to it, it was there was this little cradle that baby Jesus laid in. And baby Jesus is gone now. But I remember 25 years ago, no, 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 20 years ago, my oldest granddaughter, our oldest, uh, Callie, was five years old. And we we're celebrating Christmas, but we had to stop everything because baby Jesus was gone. Baby Jesus, what? Well, you can't have Christmas without baby Jesus. Baby Jesus, not in the little tray. Baby, we searched the house. We said, you can't find baby Jesus. What do you do when you can't find baby Jesus? Well, finally, she breaks down to her mother. She's sobbing, and she confesses that she's taken baby Jesus. <laughs> and the mom says, why, why did you take baby Jesus? And she said, I didn't want to see him die on a cross. And I thought, oh. She was sparing baby Jesus from the cross. That, that's that manger scene that got lost in the cleansing. If it wasn't so great that the garage was clean, I'd have been in deep water. But that atoned for a lot. The good news is she looked in one last place, not in the garage, and she found the manger scene. And baby Jesus is back! 
You know, when, when, when you come to this story and back in, in Exodus and, and Jesus says to Moses, he gives him his name, I am that I am. And then he says this in verse 15, God says to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent you, sent, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. The Lord says to Moses, he, he, calls, on, he calls on his ancestors, and it's basically he calls them as witnesses. And he says, I am, not I was, I am the God of Abraham. Now, that's 600 years earlier, Abraham. And then he's the God of Isaac. Now, you might think Moses, he's intimidating him with these superstars, these super saints. But these were some, these were some broken dudes. They're not perfect men of God. I mean, Abraham threw his wife under the bus, basically gave her to a king to save his own rear end because the king thought she was beautiful. And he says, oh, it's just my sister. Just have your way. That's Abraham. I mean, they, Isaac does basically the same thing. Jacob's a scoundrel. These are not the who's who. God's identifying. Now they found faith. They found forgiveness. They found restoration. But, you know, is God bragging about being the God of three dead people? Is that what God defines himself? I want you to just, if you look with me, back to the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this, I love this. Jesus uses this story to illustrate that God is the God of resurrection. And, and Matthew, or Luke chapter 20. Now, the, the context is they're, they're saying, well, somebody had a wife, and they got married, and he died, and she remarried, and he died, and she got remarried, and he died, and he got remarried, and he died, and blah, blah, blah. Just some theological argument. Whose wife would she be in heaven? And Jesus is like, you don't even know the Bible. You don't even know God. He said, you, 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 don't, you missed the whole point of eternal life. And then Jesus quotes this story. In, in Luke chapter 20, Jesus says in verse 37, But in the account of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise. For he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to him all are alive. God's not some curator of a museum of stuffed saints. Here we have over here, Abraham. Now look at him and the beard. And he was quite a character. And, and, and God is a God of the living, not the dead. So when, when, when he appears to Moses, he says, Abraham's standing right here. You can't see him, but he's right here right now. So is Isaac. So is Jacob. They're standing. They're living because they live because of the God they believed in. And Jesus ties this to the resurrection because life is not fulfilled until the body is rejoined to the soul. Dying and going to heaven is not salvation. Salvation is having a relationship with God that when we die, we do go to be with him, but, but our bodies will be raised at the resurrection. Do you know that Moses is the only guy in the Bible that God buried? You can read about it at the end of Deuteronomy. It's a powerful story. Moses has more encounters with God than anybody in the New, uh, Old Testament. I mean, he just one thing after, God just visits him. And, and over, when he dies, God, he, had, he had sinned. He lost his temper. And, you know, human. God said, I want you to speak to the rock. This is the second time. 
Moses loses his temper and he strikes it. He's ticked off at the people. He smacks the rock. And God says, you're not going into the promised land for that. Now, that didn't mean he didn't go to heaven. That meant he didn't inherit the promise here. But God said, I'm going to take you up to a mountain. You get to look across from Mount Nebo. You, you can see the promised land. But then he died. The sense is he died in the face of God. Some say the Jewish tradition is God kissed him and took the life away. And then the Bible says that God buried him. We know why from the book of Jude in the New Testament that the devil wanted to desecrate his body. The devil wanted to take, like, have you seen those scenes? And, and I, I think of uh, Murugash, how do you say that? Mudu, anyway, where they drug the army ranger through the streets in celebration and mocking of the, uh, uh, of the, the, the man they had killed, the veteran. And they desecrate the body to try to prove a greater victory. Satan hates our bodies. He hates, most of all, the body of Jesus, that he came. That's why he killed all the children with Moses came. Herod killed all the children, tried the age three, four, and under when Christ comes. Because in that body, in that bush, is the fire of God that brings salvation. So Jesus said, I am, not I was. And when you call God your God, when he calls you his child, you'll never die. Your body will, but your soul will never die, and your body will be raised. This is the resurrection in the book of Exodus be thousands of years before Christ comes. Now, let me just say to you this morning, baby Jesus has not been stolen. Good news. Start there. We'll start there. The manger has been found. But baby Jesus came for one purpose. When, when Moses was called out by the bush and God said, I'm going to rescue the people, and Moses said, how are you going to do it? You're going to do it. And Moses like, not me. Who am I? Jesus was just the opposite. God says, I'm going to rescue the planet Earth. Jesus said, I'm all in. I'll come. And he came just to die. He came to rescue us. Christ was that burning bush. It's like a Christmas tree. When you look at that tree, if you turn the lights off and take all the ornaments off, it's just green. Now, that's pretty. It's got a, a sense of, but no one's going to walk by. What if we just had an unlit, undecorated, brown leaf? Just a, 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 Maybe we'll do that next year. We'll just have a big a, a bush. We'll, just, we'll, have, we'll have this year's tree next year. Just sitting there. What, 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 what's the point? That's a horrible tree because it's not about the tree. It's about the fire that's in the tree. It's not about us. God will use the most unusual means to bring you. If you'll take the time to listen, if you'll let God call your name out of the burning bush, God said to Moses, it's not who you are, it's who I am. He didn't answer all Moses' questions, but he told Moses, I'm all that you'll ever need me to be. I am that I am. He's that for you. If you'll turn aside to that burning bush, it's, it's just whatever God uses to get your attention. It's not enough to just go, wow, that's pretty cool. It's, Lord, what are you saying to me? Let him call your name. You know, I, I love the fact that Moses went from self-confident, self-reliant to who am I to 
God saying, it's not who you are. It's who I am. Moses, you're going to be the burning bush. There's nothing about you, Moses. You're flawed. You're broke, just like Abraham was, just like Isaac was. It's not about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. It's the God of Jacob. It's the God of Moses. It's you and your living God. So when, you, when the enemy reminds you of how flawed you are and weak you are and frail and, and past failures, so, you know, it's not about me. That's why Moses took his shoes off. It's about the God that's called me. It's about the God that loves me. It's about the God who died for me. Amen? Let's pray together. Come, Holy Spirit. Just take a moment, and maybe, maybe God has used me to be a little bit of a burning bush this morning. Nothing about just an old pastor. I just let God say what he wants to say. It's about the fire of God. It's about the word of God. Let him call your name this morning. If you've never said yes to Jesus, what a, what a wonderful time to say, hear my Lord, save me. He knows your name. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. He loves you. He wants you to love him back. He wants you to know him. He's come after you. Just like he came after Moses, he's coming after you. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. So what do I do, Jamie? You say a simple prayer to Jesus. Here am I. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Just invite him. It's what Moses did. Moses just said, here am I. Surrender. Surrender. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord.